Okay, uh, this morning I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. How many people are excited to hear God's word this morning? Study? Good. That's a good sign. Amen. Let's read Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. I'm reading from NIV. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, who were before you. Jesus is, is uh, he's preaching to, teaching his disciples, but there's also a large crowd of people who came out into the wilderness to be healed of their sicknesses or to um, receive something from God. They were desperate. They had no other alternative. But they heard that there is this man called Jesus, and he performs miraculous signs. So they, from all around that region, they went out to the wilderness to, to, to meet this Jesus, to see Jesus. And he, he saw all of them, and he, he started walking up a hillside. And then when he found a suitable spot, he gathered his disciples around them. He began to teach them. And this teaching, teaching is called the Sermon on the Mount. So you guys probably heard of it, right? The the servant on the mount and and these first blessings that he that he proclaims are the beatitudes. So there's uh you know a few very famous verses in the Bible that that many people know, right? There's the Lord's prayer. There's um Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. There's uh 1 Corinthians 13 um, four and six, where it says, you know, love is patient, love is kind. So many people know know about these. These the, these verses are called the Beatitudes. Jesus blesses um, blesses. Uh, he says these are the eight characteristics of the people that that are are blessed. The Sermon on the Mount is very very uh, deep. I think when we read through just these verses, um, it's pretty impactful 
to, to us. It's not complicated. It's not sophisticated. It's very simple. It's easy to understand. But it's very, very deep and meaningful. In fact, we, we instinctively know that what Jesus is preaching is right. We know in our heart, this is truth. This is, Jesus, this says that Jesus spoke as one who had authority. And even now, 2,000 years later, when we read the words of Jesus, we know in our heart what he says is right. It's contrary to what we normally think and the way that we, we normally act, right? Everything about the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is uh, preaching and teaching something that's contrary to the way that we normally think. He says, you've heard it was said, hate your enemies, right? And, and, and love those who, who are like you. But he says, I tell you, love your enemies and bless those who persecute you. And he says many, many things like this that is contrary, is opposite to the way that we normally think. But when we hear Jesus' words, even though it's against what the way that we normally think, we, we hear the words and we, we know in our heart that he's right. We know that he's right, even though we don't do it. We, know that we still know that he's right. Jesus is, is preaching the truth even though we, 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 don't, we aren't able to do it. Still, Jesus is he's saying, he says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls because he is the answer. When we find ourselves conflicted, listening to what he's teaching, you're hearing what he's teaching, he says, come to me because I am the answer. What Jesus, Jesus says is, is come to me and I'm going to complete this work in you. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. But how are you going to do it? You need to come to me. You need to come to me in order to be perfect. Because I did the perfect work on the cross. I, I was the perfect sacrifice that paid the debt for all of your sin. Perfectly. That covered over your sin. And I made the way that you can have the Holy Spirit, that he's going to work inside of you to sanctify you and make you perfect more and more day by day as you walk with him. So Jesus doesn't compromise at all. He doesn't lower the requirements of, of what he asks for us. But he sets the standard very high and he says, I'm going to help you get there. I am the answer. You come to me, and I'm going to help you get there. So he gives eight characteristics of people that he's making perfect, and these are called the, the Beatitudes. Today, I only have time to preach on the first four. So maybe the next time that I come up, I will talk about the, the next four. But today, I just want to preach on the first four. Let's look in verse 3. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Who are the the poor in spirit? Actually, these these eight characteristics are not eight different groups of people, but they're eight characteristics about one group of people, the people that Jesus is making perfect. But these this group of people are poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? I know what it means to be just poor, right? But what about poor in spirit? What does it mean? It means that you're lacking spiritual things. In a spiritual sense, you are very poor. Jesus said that the church in Laodicea, in Revelation, I believe, chapter 2 or chapter 3, one or the other, he, he says that they're they, they say to themselves, we're rich, we don't need a thing. But Jesus told them, no, you are poor, wretched, blind, pitiful, naked. So they, they were spiritually, I mean, they were, they didn't have anything. But Jesus says, blessed are those who are spiritually poor. Actually, he's saying, blessed are those who acknowledge their spiritual poverty. That they say, yep. I don't have anything to commend me. When I come, come to Jesus, I, I come with an empty hand. I don't come bringing my, my righteousness with me. I come like a beggar. I'm like, Jesus, please, like a beggar. You have, 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 I don't think many of us have, have ever begged, begged for anything. Maybe, maybe some of us have. You know, where you have to ask somebody for something, maybe a complete stranger, you say, please, sir, please, ma'am, excuse me, you know, I, I, I need something. I don't have any reason why you owe it to me, but, but I need something. And in this sense, we, we have to come to God and begging from God. God, I'm poor in my spirit. I need, need things from you. Let's look in Luke chapter 18. Verse 9 through 13. Jesus gives an example of spiritual poverty. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 13. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of, every, of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So, who was spiritually poor in, in this, this story? It was the tax collector. And Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know how, how God 
responds to spiritual beggars? Does he drive them away? Does he tell them, hey, get out of here? Do you know how God responds to spiritual beggars? The, the, the most good God, the source of all truth and justice, the judge of the world, how he responds to those who have nothing to commend them, to the worst sinners who come and acknowledge their, their sinfulness to him, how he responds to them. He responds to them like the father in the story of the prodigal son. You know the, the story of the prodigal son, right? The, the son, he, the younger son, he's, he, he says, Father, give me my share of the inheritance now. I want it now. And he takes his share of the inheritance and goes off to a, a foreign land where he squanders everything he has and wild living. And then he's totally penniless. He's, he has to take a job watching pigs in a field. And he says, man, those pigs eat better than I do. It's better for me just to go home because even the servants in my father's house are, are well taken care of. I think I'm going to go home. I'm just going to tell my dad, father, I'm not even, I don't even deserve to be called your son. But just let me be like a servant in your house. He's, he's begging from his dad. He's, he wants to go home and beg from his dad. And he comes home. And do you know what the father does? He doesn't even let him get a word out. He says, son, you're home. And he throws the cloak over the son. And he puts the ring on his finger. And he's, come, come inside. I'm so glad that you've come home. This is how God responds to spiritual beggars. We, when we come to God, we cannot receive from God unless we come with empty hands. We have to be willing to say, I'm not good. I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I have nothing to commend me. And it, it's difficult because it's against, you know, our pride and our ego that tells us, wait, wait, I may not be perfect, but at least I'm a little bit good, right? But no, Jesus says, no, you can't, you can't do that. You must be spiritually poor. You must be poor in your spirit. And come to God. God, I'm a beggar. Please. I have nothing to recommend me. And you know how he responds to you? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Our God is a good God. Let's look at verse 4. Chapter 5, verse 4. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. These people mourn for, for different reasons. Okay? And God says that they are blessed. And they will be comforted. First, they mourn for their own sin. They may be like the, the sinner. I mean, the tax collector in Luke chapter 19. Where he beat his breast. And he didn't even want to look up to God. Because he was sorry for his own sin. They may be like Peter. Peter, when he first met Jesus, Jesus told him, Peter, I, I see you're a fisherman. You caught a lot of fish? Peter said, no. 
Nothing. The whole night. We've been fishing the whole night. Not a single fish. Peter, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Oh, Jesus, I've been fishing all my life. I think I know my, my duty. But because you say so, I will do it. He cast his net on the other side of the boat. Whoa, so many fish. So many fish that the boat was about to sink. When Peter saw the, all the fish, do you know what he did? He fell at his knees and said, Lord, away from me, for I am a sinful man. Because Peter knew that he was standing in the presence of Jesus, the Messiah, the very God. And he felt keenly his own sinfulness. He said, I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. Peter was, was mourning over his own spiritual state. He was, I'm so sorry for my sin, who I am, that my nature is bent and corrupted, that I cannot please you in, in anything. He saw, he saw himself as, as he really was, and he mourned. So he mourned for his own sin. We may mourn over the sins of, of other people and, and the consequences that are coming because of their, the, their sin. When Jesus was coming to, to Jerusalem, he stopped and he looked at Jerusalem there on the hillside. I don't know. One day, you know, maybe we can organize a field trip. We can go, go to Israel. We can see so there, there's, there's Jerusalem. And he looked at Jerusalem and, and he wept. He wept over Jerusalem because he knew the, the judgment that was coming on Jerusalem. And he wept. So it's okay to mourn. Jesus wept. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of, many, of, man of sorrow. He was familiar with sorrow. Jesus mourned over the, the sin of, of other people and the judgment that was coming on them. Jesus wept. You know, the, the shortest verse in the Bible, right, is Jesus wept, right? It's in um, John chapter 11, 32 and 33. John chapter 11, 32 and 33. So Lazarus, Jesus' friend, had died. And Jesus intentionally didn't go when he was sick. He only went after he died. Because he, he, he knew what was going to happen. He Actually, Jesus uh, rose Lazarus up from the dead. Okay, But in verse 32, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is not Mary, mother of Jesus. This is uh, a different Mary. There's Mary and Martha. And my, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. So you see, Jesus is not, he, he weeps with those who weep. He mourns with those who mourn. But Jesus, Jesus says, blessed 
are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Not if we mourn apart from God, but if we are the the people that God is who is God is making perfect, when we mourn, we will be comforted. Look in Psalm chapter twenty six, verse six. Psalm chapter twenty six, verse six. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says, He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. There is a type of mourning that is like sowing seed. There is a type of mourning that returns an abundant, abundant joy. This type of mourning is is when we prayerfully intercede for people. When we intercede for our friends and family who don't know God, who are apart from God. And we say, Lord, please work in them. Lord, please. And we, if, you know, God may cause us to, to weep because we're moved and we, we deeply feel the, the need of, of, of these people. Do you pray for people like this? Do you sow seed for people like this? Sow seed for your family, for your friends, for your school? Are you like Jesus when he came to Jerusalem and he saw the city and he wept? When you go to school in the morning and you see your school building and everybody walking in the hallways, do you feel any compassion for them? Lord, they don't know you. Lord, please use me. Lord, have mercy on them. When we read the newspaper or we hear about the stories about people getting shot all the time and suicides and all of the, the bad stuff that we see like on, on, in, the, you know, in the headlines, do we mourn for our city? Do we pray, God, please, Have mercy. The Bible says in Psalm 26, verse 6, that he who goes out weeping, carrying seed to to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Sheaves is like the, you you gather together the the wheat, you know, in a sheaf, and you put it up on your, your shoulder and you're carrying it back. So, when we, when we sow in tears, when we sow, when we mourn over the sin, over our own sin, or the sin of other people, and we say, God, please, please, Lord, we need you, he's going to answer. He's going to bring abundant joy. He's going to bring the comfort. One day, God is going to make all things new. And at that time, the Bible says that there will, he will wipe every tear from our eye. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, and no more pain. That's one day. We will be comforted. But what about those who are apart from God? 
who have no hope in this world, as Pastor Arash read from Ephesians, they're, they're apart from God, estranged from God, and they have no hope in this world. You know, we need to mourn for them. Let's look at, the, at verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek, who is meek? What does meek mean? It's kind of one of those, you know, like old words that we don't use much anymore. Who is meek? Well, we can see what meek means by looking at the example of Jesus. Jesus was meek. He came to be born not in a palace with like rich purple robes, but he was born in a manger where they kept the animals. He was born into a poor carpenter's family. He came, when he came into Jerusalem as a king, he didn't ride on a big white horse, but he rode on a, on a, on a young donkey. I guess it had never been ridden before, so it must have been, you know, really, really young. But he did that purposefully. He did that to show that, hey, this is the type of king that I am. On the, his last night with his disciples, he took off his outer robes, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he got a basin of water, and he went and he washed their feet. You know and that time, they all wore sandals everywhere, and then they didn't have semen, you know, and so there was like horse poop and, and everything on the streets and, and roads and stuff, and their feet got nasty, really gross. And so to have somebody to wash your feet, is that, that's a very uh, humble position to be in. And Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and he told them, he said, no servant is above his master, and no student is above his teacher. And what he was saying is that if I, who you call Lord and Master, will do this for you, so also you in the same way should serve one another. This is meekness. So we just ask, what is meek? We just look at Jesus. The Bible says, um, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it does this in the exactly verse preceding where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. So wives, next time your husband says, wives, submit to your husbands, you just say, say submit to one another. <laughs> so I, I don't know why, you know, whenever they put in the chapters and verses, why they broke it up. So that chapter 5 starts with, wives, submit to your husband, and then the end of chapter 4 is, but anyway... So submit to, your, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Because we know what kind of God that we follow. We know who, who our, our master, Jesus, is and who he's like. And out of reverence for him, then we submit to one another. Are you willing to take all of the respect an honor that you think people owe you 
and lay it aside in order to serve them? Or are you going to keep that for yourself? And you're going to say, hey, I deserve at least this amount of respect. I deserve at least this amount of recognition. You can't treat me this way. Or are you going to take that and you're going to lay it aside and you're going to serve your brothers and sisters meekly? Jesus says, blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know what God's going to do when you, when you serve in this way, meekly? He's going to put every resource that you need at your disposal. You are not going to lack a thing. God is going to back you up. You, he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hunger and thirst. Have you guys been hungry before? Yeah. Ooh. Hungry. You know, and, and it's like, wow, you know, just, just about anything. It doesn't have to be fancy food, but, but just anything to fill my stomach a little bit. Um, hungry and thirsty is even worse to me. I, I think thirsty is even worse because is, is when your, your mouth starts to feel cottony, you know, and like, you know, and then you, 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 don't, you don't have a lot of saliva and you're like, you know, anything just to get my mouth a little bit wet, you know, would be good. And so it's the, those are the basic, our basic needs, right? I mean, you can do without, you know, video games, you know, comic books or, you know, playing sports. You could do without this other stuff, but you can't do without water and food. You need those things. And Jesus says, people who hunger, and thirst for righteousness are blessed. Blessed are these people. What is righteousness? Righteousness is kind of an old-fashioned word. You know, people don't use it a lot today. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I read the word righteous, you know, like in a political speech or newspaper article. People don't like to talk about righteousness it's one of those, uh, you know, black and white words that, that we don't like. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's, um, it seems very old-fashioned. Righteous. But the, the Bible tells us that there is such a thing as righteousness. And reason tells us that there is such a thing as righteousness. Reason tells us that there is such a thing as real good and there is such a thing as real evil. And even just because we don't like to think about righteousness doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It just means that we don't like to think about it. The Bible says what real righteousness is. It says it's the character of God. The character of God. It's not that God resembles something else that this ideal of righteousness is that God himself 
is righteous. And that things that are righteous are closer to, to the character of God. You see? God himself is righteousness. Whenever you, whenever you read through you know, the first five books of the Bible or the, the law that God gave to Moses, the Israelites through Moses, and you read, you know, all of these things, and it was like, you have to do this, and, and all of this stuff, it's like, it's revealing the character of God. It's revealing His holiness, revealing His mercy, revealing His faithfulness, Revealing his concern for the weak, his concern for the oppressed, is revealing the character of God. What God wanted was he wanted a people who would reveal his character of God to the world. That's why he wanted the, the, the Jewish people, they were to be the light to the Gentiles. They were to be, to show everyone, this is, is who God is. By, by their nation. Unfortunately, they, they, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And so you see throughout the, the Old Testament, it's, even, it's prophesying that there will come a time when God will do it. And he's going to send his spirit down on his people so that they will be a people of righteousness. And he did that through Jesus, his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So righteousness is like a summary of the character of God. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness hunger and thirst for God's character. They want, they want more mercy. They want more holiness. They want more faithfulness. They want more compassion, loving kindness. They're hungering and thirsting for these, for these good things. Thank you. <laughs> Thirsty, oh. Hmm, that's very good. Thank you. (laughs) Hunger and thirst for righteousness. What they want is they want to see God's will be done here on earth, even as it is done in heaven. They want to see, God, whatever you want, your character. I want it to see it be manifest here on earth. First of all, in me. I want your character to be manifest in me. I want to be more merciful. I want to be holy in my actions and in my thoughts. I want to be loving to other people. I want your character to be manifest in me. And I want your, your will to be done here on earth in my sphere of influence as far as I am able, just as your will is done as, as it is in heaven. I want your, you to work in me, and I want you to work through me. That's what it is to, be, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want, we want God to be manifest in our lives. And we're not just... It's not just like a goal that we're going to achieve. And then that's it. But we're hungering and thirsting for it. And even as he fills us, 
then we're hungering and thirsting anew. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Be continually filled with the Spirit. That when you're, you're filled up, you're thirsty, and you're filled up, and then you're thirsty, and you're filled up again. And God's changing you from glory to glory to glory. And he's working in you continually. And he's working through you continually. And you're not satisfied with what God did one month ago or six months ago or five years ago. But you're saying, God, work in me more. Work through me more. God, I'm not satisfied with where I am now. That you've changed me up to this point. But Lord, I want to change to be more and more like you. I want to see more and more of your righteousness manifest in my life. And I want you to use me more to promulgate your righteousness further. I want to, I want you to manifest your righteousness through me. I'm not satisfied with what you've done so far or what you've helped me to do so far, but I want to keep going. Just as Paul said, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel to the, you know, uh, further, further, further and further out. So he, he did it all in Asia and he, his plan, okay, now I'm going to go to the Latin-speaking world. I'm going to go to Spain, you know. So um, we, we need to have that same hunger and thirst in our, in our lives. And Jesus said, these people will be blessed these people will be filled. Do you want God to use you? Do you want God to work in you? You need to be hungry and thirsty. You need to be hungry and thirsty. God's not going to, he's not, he's not a, a, a tough guy who's, who's like a bully and going to come and say, hey, be righteous. He says, yeah, he says, be righteous. But he's waiting for you to cooperate. He said, I'm going to change you, but I'm not going to force you to change. You've got to work together. And we, we, we cooperate with God when, we, when the Holy Spirit says something to us and, and, and we struggle and we say, yes, I'm going to submit to the Holy Spirit. And then he changes us and he works through us and he fills us up. So, brothers and sisters, this is, this is my message for you today. You know, the teaching of Jesus is not complicated. It's actually pretty simple. But it doesn't mean it's easy, right? But what he promises to do is he promises to help us. So if we, if we say, God, your standard is perfection. I can't get there by myself. I need your help, Lord. He is going to help you. He will. He will do it. I, I, I could tell you he will do it, but it's better for you to listen to him himself. And he's going to tell you he can do it. You can, he will help you do it. I want to maybe have a time where uh, we, we ask God to, to change us. You know, because we don't have lunch today, but so it's a it's a good time for us to spend time in the in the presence of God, 
And if you if you have have something that you need to do or or um, you know go go somewhere, that's fine. And because you we can consider the the service to to be you know ended so that you can go. But I think that um, you know there's a lot of us we 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 do want to stay and 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 really press into God. And so um, if you do, I I I don't want to. Um, I don't know what, what, what God's going to do, but I think it would, might be a good idea for us to go ahead and, and, and we'll, we'll clear the chairs out and uh, maybe we'll worship God and we'll, we'll call on him. And maybe if the, the pastors, you know, if we will pray, then maybe we'll pray and, and ask God to, to, to fill us up. So um, let, let's just pray quickly. And then if you need to go, then, then that's fine. Father God, Lord, we thank you for for your word, Father God. And we lo- know, Lord, that you don't say these things to, to, just to hurt us, Father God, or to harm us, Lord. But, Lord, we do feel sensitive in our spirits, Father God, and we know that your words are true. Father God, even though we can't live up to this standard that we read, Father God, that you've laid down, Lord, but, Father, nonetheless, we know it's true, and we know it's good, Lord. Father God, we yield ourselves to you and we ask, Lord, that you work in us to change us, Father God. Help us, Father God, to be even more poor in our spirits because we know that we are, that we are going to have more of you. Help us, Lord, to, to mourn over sin, Father God, our own sin and other people's sin, Father so that you're going to work through us, Father God. Lord, help us to be more meek, that we will be more like your son, Jesus, who laid aside everything, who didn't consider equality for himself to be equal with God, but humbled himself to become a man. Help us to be more like Jesus, Father God, that we're not going to be so self-conscious all the time. Father God, Help us to hunger and thirst for your righteousness, Father. Lord, that we desire, earnestly desire, more of you in our lives. I pray this, Lord. Father, we know that you are faithful. We know that you are faithful, Father. Fill up your people, Father God. Fill up your people, Lord. Change us, Father God. Lord, make us into your glorious bride, Father. We humble ourselves before you, and we ask, Lord, please work in us, Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wonder if anybody wants to be prayed for or ask God to work in you, now is the time. Now is the time. Don't wait for, for another time. The Holy Spirit is here. And he's already working in your heart. Let him finish what he's doing in your heart. Go ahead and come forward. Now is the time. Go ahead and come forward. You come to him like a spiritual beggar. Lord, I need more of you. I'm hungry and thirsty for more of you. Now is the time. If you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. Because it probably means that 
that God's working in you. He knows that something needs to be done. If you feel uncomfortable, like, I'm not sure, then you should probably just come up. Just make a decision. Just say, yes, Lord. Work in me. Lord, I surrender myself to you. Lord, I'm not going to be proud, but I'm going to humble myself before you. For Lord. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. Stop praying. Yes, Lord. Father God, we want more of you, Father. Lord, help us to be hungry. More hunger, more thirst, Lord. God, don't let us be satisfied. Let us be dissatisfied, Father God. Lord, we want something to change. Lord, we want you to change us, Father. Please work in us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Papa Katerashi.